All right. Thank you. You may be seated. What a great bunch you are. That's fantastic. And, um, and certainly we need to honour the father of the house today, um, Pastor John. So one more round of applause for the dad of the house. Um, thank you very much. Um, Anna, great to be with you all. Uh, yeah. My dad was an AOG, as we call it in Australia, AG, an AG pastor. And uh, I was in a service where my dad raised a man from the dead. Uh, I've had the opportunity, you know, God's a ventriloquist, I'm just a dummy, but I have had the opportunity of repeating that miracle on a couple of occasions, um, and God's been good to me. Uh, but my dad, when I was, and, and Pastor John, I hadn't planned to say this bit, but my dad, between the age of 11 and 14, my dad got a new girlfriend and left my mum. And uh, I'm one of 12 kids. Uh, mum had 12 kids in 16 years. And uh, so that's moving. That is working hard. My mother's 94 years of age. She texted me today already um, to tell me to behave. <laughs> uh, and Pastor John, you know, that's not a rare occurrence for my mum. She does that about twice a week. I get a, a text uh, telling me to do the things mothers tell sons to do. And uh, she catches the bus down to the local um, mall um, every week to do her 6,000 steps with her pedometer. And uh, she is a powerhouse. I know it's Father's Day, but my mother has been both mother and father to me over this last uh, 50 years. Um, now, I'm 61 years of age, but Dad was there till I was uh, 10 or 11. So this last 50 years, my mother, she's four foot eight, Pastor John, isn't she? Um, she's, she, yeah, she's built for speed, I can tell you. Uh, and don't cross her because she's still pretty good with, with a kettle cord. Now, I know you're not allowed to do that to your children anymore because, um, God forbid, we turn them into decent citizens. Um, now, of course, now, of course, we just buy them a soft puppy and give them the number of a social worker and everything's going to be okay. But back in the day, back in the day, uh, it was a different way of doing things. So I think I said that to say this, it's Father's Day, but um, and Pastor John, I wouldn't have mentioned it, but Pastor John did. I've been um, a leader in our group of churches back in Australia. I've been the vice president of our movement um, in the state I come from. I've been on that state team for 25 years. Uh, we've pastored um, some great churches. We've planted uh, lots of churches. But do you know what? If I have one thing to do in life, it is to reverse the curse. That is what I'm here to do. I'm here to pick up, if it were. Um, now, I want to be very, very clear. When I talk about my dad, I'm talking about things that are history, not things that there's no malice, there is no bitterness. Uh, my dad has gone to the next life, and so, uh, but I love my dad. I, he is a wonderful and affable fellow that made some terrible mistakes in his life, and stand up if you haven't. And so, um, but... I also understand that it has been my role uh, to, if, if life was like a relay race, you know, like at the Olympics, you have this exchange box, I think, in layman's terms, where the, the baton changes hand. Well, my dad dropped the baton, and so while others are running, I've had to go back and find the baton and pick it up, and it is my 
quest in life to finish this race, having caught up and brought my children um, up to be back in where they are. And that is to me my highest calling. I think that when I get to heaven, God's going to ask me three questions. And it doesn't matter to you what those questions are. You need to find out what the questions he'll ask you. And then you need to live your life to have a very good answer. And I don't think he's going to see how, say, how's your itinerant ministry going? I'm just not sure that's going to be one of the questions. Um, so today what I'd like to do is I want to introduce you to my children. And um, I've been married for 43 years um, so far. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My wife is a lucky woman. And... Uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask for their photos and I'll, I'll introduce you to them. But the, the, to give this a title today, I want, you, I want to talk to you about things I've learned from my kids. Uh, one of the great joys of getting a, a, what we call older. We're not old, are we? We're just older. Um, I turned 61 a couple of weeks ago here in your country and um, I think life is good. But I have a 39-year-old daughter I have a 36-year-old daughter, I have a 33-year-old daughter, and I have a uh, 28-year-old son. And um, I'll introduce them to you. In fact, why don't we put the... Here's the four kids. Um, all the single ladies, Andy's married, so just stop right now. All right. He is 28. He's a commercial electrician. He does wedding photography on the weekends, um, flies a drone and, you know, does all that sort of stuff. And uh, he is married to Laura. But time didn't permit for me to introduce you to all of the spouses. And when it came to son-in-laws, I don't like them anyway. So uh, <laughs> spoken like a true dad. And... Uh, so since they've had the two bricks operation, I like them better, but still don't like them much. Um, the next girl there is my youngest daughter, that is Rachel. She is 33 years of age, uh, married to a fellow, who cares? And um, the next daughter is Rebecca. She is 39 years of age and uh, she is our firstborn and um, a wonderful, wonderful person. And then my second daughter on your right is Renee, uh, means born again. She is 36 years of age. And uh, I, look, I've got to tell you, and I say this with a tremendous amount of tenderness uh, because I'm a pastor. I talk to lots of mums and dads. My kids are all serving Christ. And uh, shoot me, quickly shoot me, because I don't know that there's a higher purpose for me as a parent. Um, so I am very thankful to God. Um, I should introduce you to my wife, Susie. Um, she's come up in the next photo. Um, she is uh, a lot older than me. She's 63. And uh, so uh, she's a cougar, we call her back in Australia. But I think she likes the term. <laughs> A good woman. Look, I'm going to introduce you to my kids one at a time, and I, I want to talk to you about what they've taught me, and perhaps, if time permits, we'll segue between that and what they've taught me about Father God, because I think there'll be some benefit, hopefully, for you um, in that. I am dressed today by virtue of my 33-year-old daughter. I had the thoughts of a fishnet singlet that was one of my favourites, but I rang Rachel, my third daughter, and said, what do you think? She said, Dad, don't. And so uh, um, they keep me honest and normal. Look, let, let's put Rebecca up. Let's talk about Rebecca um, for a moment. And this is my eldest daughter, Rebecca. And what she's taught me is that time flies. 
You, you look, if you've got a dream and you've got a plan, now would be a very, very good day to start. Um, because I uh, took Rebecca out of the driveway um, in a white gown. And uh, she, I, I remember, she was nine pounds seven, ladies. Um, and she was our smallest of our four babies. And so I remember turning around in the car, telling her how lucky she was that I was her dad. You know, and if, if, if she wasn't in our family, I probably would have had to kidnap her to get her in our family because she was absolutely the perfect fit. And so we took her out in a white gown down to the church on a Sunday morning and had her dedicated and had her life dedicated to the Lord. And thank God for this gift of precious life. Sufficient pause. Then I took her out the driveway in another white gown, a really expensive white gown, an abominably expensive white gown. And boom, where did that 20 years go? Time flies, it's waiting for nobody. And now, Pastor John, there's another 20 years have gone since then. They are, in fact, celebrating their 19th wedding anniversary just this weekend. And I know that because they uh, phoned me and asked if I could deposit some money in their account <laughs> to buy them an appropriate gift. And, uh, and so we've had her, her university, as we call it, graduation. We've had them buying their first home. We've had the birth of her first child. In fact, on Mother's Day this year, uh, my daughter, Rebecca, let's keep her photo up there if we could. Um, we, I had Rebecca preach the word um, in our church. Her husband is my associate pastor. And, um, but it was just fantastic to have my 94-year-old mother there. Um, my wife, Rebecca's mother, and then Rebecca, uh, and then her 14-year-old daughter. And so four generations of kingdom um, there before us. And I was so honoured and so thrilled. But it's a constant goad to me to remind me that time is not waiting. Now is a very good time to do something. Let me tell you what she's taught me about God. She's taught me that God's an evangelist. And uh, we, we, don't, we don't think of God as an evangelist, but he is an evangelist. He's the first soul winner um, in the universe. Um, even when he lost them, he went and got them back. Pastor John, I was preaching in my own church about six weeks ago, and I was preaching on the whole um, subject of soul winning. And, but I, what I felt Holy Spirit speak to me about was that we're often, when we think of soul winning, we think of taking a Friday night down, downtown, you know, handing out some leaflets. That's the old way of doing it. Or some person at our workplace who's never, ever known anything of the gospel. But I felt that God particularly talked to me from the book of Luke in chapter 15. There's a story that we call the prodigal son. It's a bad title. Should be called the love of a father, um, really. But, um, but it talks about a boy who knew the father's house. He was familiar with how the father's house worked, but he too had been lost. And I just felt Holy Spirit speak to me about there are people in our world. And I know that I'm, I'm, I'm putting Holy Spirit burden on you for this very thing today, even though I'm relating a story. There, there are people that once knew the Lord, the sons and daughters, cousins, nephews, people that are familiar with the house. And as I talked to the church about this, I said this. I said, um, folk, in fact, I have a sister, and I have seven sisters, in fact. But I said, I have a sister that I feel God has laid on my heart. She used to lead worship in our church, not, not growing up as we did in churches. Life got challenging for her, and without telling her story too much, she's left the church. 
And I felt God put her on my heart. And so, friend, while we're trying to win the world and the people that have never heard, there's a whole group of people that we all know um, that have been familiar with Father's house that need to hear the message. And then I said this to the church. In fact, if I stand here next week and I have not rung my sister, not connected with my sister, then you may all yell back at me, you preach it, but you don't do it. So I put myself on notice. The very next day, I took my wife into the city. We went downtown. I live about 20 miles uh, from downtown. I live in a city of two and a half million people. My wife wanted to be early because she didn't want to miss the appointment. We hadn't been there before, so we thought, well, we'll go early and we'll find out where it is, get orientation for that, then we'll just find a coffee shop and we'll have a coffee while we wait. We did everything I just said. We parked the vehicle, we went and um, found a coffee shop and we walked in and my sister, the one I'm going to connect with that week, in a city of 2.5 million people. She does not live in the city and I do not live in the city, but I walked into the cafe and my sister is sitting in the cafe. And it reminded me, you see, sometimes we think that God wants us to win the world and he's like a headmaster that sits back having sent us to do a job. And then when we've done it, we've got to report back to him and he ticks it off and says, good boy, good girl. But I am particularly um, reminded that when he asks us to do a task, he's first one to come with us, to set it up. And, and I saw that even six weeks ago. But my daughter, Beck, I remember one time when she was in the youth group, just as a 17-year-old girl, bringing nine of her friends to the youth group in nine weeks in a row. And each of them saying yes to Jesus as they watched her life. Chief of those that she brought was a young man that she's now married to. He was drunk um, and he was a drug addict. Uh, Pastor John knows my son-in-law. Um, I, I don't know if this term goes over here, but he was as feral as a bush pig. <laughs> Could I say it worse? He came to church. I was preaching. He put his hand up to say yes to Jesus. I knew he had an interest in my daughter, so I just thought, <laughs> go to hell. Not on my watch, mate. I've seen your type before. <laughs> I'll accept Jesus. <laughs> but for seven weeks in a row, he made the trip down to the, the front. Come on, have we got some folk have been in church a while? Just as I am without one plea. Every Sunday night, for seven weeks, he walked down and gave his heart to Jesus, trying to convince me that he was serious. <laughs> Friend, my daughter has shown me the importance of soul winning and shown me God's heart for soul winning. Um, put her up one more time. This is my eldest daughter, Rebecca, 39 years of age. Her and her husband are the associate pastors at our church. I'm just trying to pick up the baton that someone dropped. And um, I, got, I, got no, I got no malice for the person who dropped it. They're a fellow traveler, just like you and I. But I'm trying to say, God, we've got to get this thing back on course. I'm, I pray that you have hope um, in your heart. Whatever it is you've been dealt with, God will help you pick it up and take it forward. Let me introduce, here's my second daughter. This is Renee. Um, 
Renee's 36 years of age. She's a history English major and um, uh, teaches in secondary school. Uh, Rebecca, by the way, is a nurse by training and, and degree. And, but uh, now, if you need to know, I'm a boilermaker. So I'm a, I'm a welder. I hit things with hammers hard. Uh, that was my training. So my kids have clearly excelled me. And, um, but Renee, I, I'll tell you what she's taught me. Um, she has taught me that a, um, she's taught me that spirit doesn't have age. Now, you don't have crocodiles in your country, you have alligators, but, but you, you'll understand this. A crocodile, if you see a crocodile that is five foot long, and then you see a crocodile that is 10 foot long, it will, you'd be forgiven to decide, well, the five foot one is probably half the age of the 10 foot one but that's not the way it works in crocodile land. Crocodiles are so unbelievably adaptable that the 10 foot one could be half the age of the five foot one. It's just, it all depends on what they feed themselves. And so if they don't feed much, they stay small. If they feed a lot, they get big. My daughter Renee, there's a verse in scripture I want to share with you now. It's 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, and this is her life motto. It says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, spirit doesn't have birthdays. I meet Christians, Pastor John, they say, I've been a Christian 50 years, you know. And um, um, no, you've been a Christian one year that you've got on repeat 50 times, mate because you haven't learned one thing since the first year. I'll give you, here's an example. I had a fellow meet me after service one morning. You know, I'm the pastor, I'm talking to somebody, but I see someone peripherally. And so I, I, I end this conversation and then I turn and say, hello, sir, I don't believe we've met before. And uh, if the eyes are the window to the soul, there was no one home. I said, he said, pastor, I've got a ministry. I said, okay, tell me. He said, and I'm telling you verbatim, this is, he said, I have a ministry to single, depressed women under the age of 25. And he drove an old ambulance. I think that was his clinic. And so I looked him in the eye and said, look at me, circle of trust. You will not operate in that ministry in this church. Am I clear? And he picked up pretty, pretty clearly where I was coming from, that I didn't want a pervert like him in our church. And uh, he looked about 30 years of age or something to me. He said, oh, yes, pastor. And so I escorted him out of the building and into the, into the parking lot. And I wanted to make sure he left. So um, just before he got into his old ambulance, his clinic, um, he said, pastor, will you pray for me? Uh, before I leave, I said, I'd love to. <laughs> so I went to put my hand on his head, but there was nothing there because he'd fallen on the asphalt to his knees and um, arched his back back, you know, uh, prostrate before the Lord. Now, listen, look at me. My daughter, Renee, was about 12 at the time. And, um, and she just, she, she was sort of coming down the church path and he was ahead of her about 20 feet. And I saw her eyes roll back in her head like, and I'm thinking, how does a kid that young know? It's because spirit doesn't have age. 
that a kid in the house of God that applies himself to the house of God. My daughter Renee serves the national president of the Assemblies of God in Australia. Uh, her and her husband serve on the eldership of his church of thousands in this very day. And I want to tell you here, friends, she's taught me. I'll tell you what else she's taught me, and I'm not going to expound on this. She's taught me that a man with a conviction is never at the mercy of a fool with an opinion. You want to argue with my daughter, Renee? You better go read a book, because she did. I want to introduce you to the next member of my family. This is Rachel. Um, yes. Everything about that look is Rachel. I will tell you too, Pastor John and Anna traveled to Australia to perform her wedding. And so when Pastor John says that we are friends, um, we are friends. So Pastor John uh, performed the wedding. That is everything about who my daughter is. In fact, I sent a text out a couple of weeks ago and said, uh, listen, I'm going to put your photos up in church where I'm preaching in a couple of weeks. So send me photos, the photo you are happy with me putting up in church. She sent not that one, she sent this one. <laughs> that, my friends, is my daughter, Rachel, right there. I'm not sure I should say this in church, Pastor John, because I don't want to upset the parents, but she's got a few tattoos and um, I don't like them. I told her that you can have as many tattoos as you like, where as soon as you decide you don't want to be in my will. <laughs> but she has got a few tattoos and I like them. I don't believe in them, but I like them. This is my daughter, Rachel. And I'll tell you what she's taught me, friends, uh, is... Uh, She's taught me that, that attitude, well, I'm going to forget this one. She's taught me that attitude trumps aptitude. We thought she'd get a job in a pet store. You know, she, she didn't do too good at school, but, but to be quite frank, she's earning about 95 grand a year. She does HR in a government department. <laughs> and, uh, um, but that's another story. I'll tell you what she's really taught me though about God, and that is that it's good to have a bit of naughty. Look at me. Before I was a Christian, I was wicked and boring. Now I'm not wicked. <laughs> Get a life, mate. Some of you need to chill. You know, you serious? Um, at least half, half of you in this audience need to get in touch with Champion, who I met yesterday, um, and say, Champion, take me shopping. Whatever you buy me, I'm wearing next Sunday. That'll change your whole life. I um, have pastored the church. I pastored now for 12 years, and uh, it was a great church. But uh, there was one lady in the church. I remember uh, Pastor Russell. I just one day I thought, "Wow!" So we sang, um, "There's a party going on right here." It's a celebration. Oh, I tell you, it was hooking. Well, I had an appointment on the book that Monday from someone I didn't really, uh, hadn't had any real interaction with, and she wanted to know why we were singing the devil's music in the church building. And uh, mind you, we're doing Eye of the Tiger this morning. I feel we're in good company right here. And, uh, and so I'll tell you how I dealt with it. I, um, I, I apologised to her. I said, look, I'm really sorry about that. You know, um, my bad, we shouldn't have done that. And so uh, we'll fix it next week. So next week... I led the worship 
And I said, you know, we sang a song last week that, you know, uh, apparently some didn't approve of, but I've been thinking about it. You know, there's a party going on. Well, where else should that be but the church? And, uh, and the band goes, bah, bah. <laughs> you know? and I said, and if anyone's going to be celebrating for a whole year, who would do that but the church? Bah, bah. <laughs> And people, we don't wear building on. And then all of a sudden, it gets, mm, there's a party going on. And oh, this woman, I tell you what, she valve bounced, the radiator cap blew off the top of her hood and the rest of it. But I just think, listen, friend, um, God's got a little bit, now, I mean righteous naughty for sure, but you've just got to have a little bit of a sense of humour about you. And um, I, I, there's a great verse here in the book of Exodus, chapter 14 and verse 8. And when the children of Israel, after 400 years of being in bondage, it says they left, um, Israel, uh, Israel left Egypt, and it says uh, they left with fists raised in defiance. I don't think they were going, ta-ta, uh, thank you. I'm not going to suggest perhaps how they gesticulated, but uh, yes, I'd love you to come up here and is what you just did. That's probably what they were doing. I don't think they were saying, hello, praise the Lord. Hello, it's all good. I think they were giving it to them good and right. And uh, so I just want to tell you, I think what um, this woman has taught me about my father God is, have a look at your husband right now and ask yourself, has God got a sense of humour? Just look at him. Right now, and I think you're going to agree. In fact, put the picture up. I've got a, this is the Bible I had when I was a teenager. I think a lot of us have my vintage. Who remembers this Bible? Do you remember growing up with this? This kept me in church as a teenager. There's no doubt about it. Tyndale House, Tyndale, of course, was burned at the stake at the age of 42. With his dying prayer, um, he was, uh, he was uh, burned at the stake as a heretic for trying to give the, the scriptures to people in the, in the church. He didn't feel just the priest should read it, but everyone should get to read it. So they burned him as a heretic at the age of 42 and burned all of his Bibles. It said that his last prayer um, that was heard as he burned at the stake was, God open the heart of the King of England. And 70 years later, King James authorised the translation of the Word of God into what we now call the King James Bible. Somewhere in the 20th century, a man named Mr. Taylor wanted to honour the memory of a man named Tyndale. And so he translated the scriptures back into modern text and it was called the Living Bible. And if you were a, a child of my era, you got yourself one of these. And let me read you a verse because this kept me in this kept me in church as a teenager. Can I read it to you? 1 Kings chapter 18 and verse 27. Have a look it up here. Now, we've got Elijah on, the, on Mount Carmel fighting the prophets of Baal. And about noontime, this is the Living Bible, Elijah began mocking them. You have to shout louder, he scoffed, for surely he's God. Perhaps he's daydreaming or he's relieving himself. Well, my old version says perhaps he's sitting on the toilet. And I remember reading that as a, as a, like a, a teenager thinking, oh, that's naughty. How on earth could anyone write that in the Holy Scriptures? Well, I tell you what, friend, ask yourself a question. Is my neighbour going to stay if they came in my car today? You know, are you talking different now than you do at home? Let me introduce you to my son, Andy. Um, put him up here. He's 28 years of age. And um, his story is, is a good story. But Andy is, um, well, let me tell you how it works. When we got married, my wife said to me, how many kids do you want? I said, I'm one of 12, I don't care. I said, I think you should decide that. So after a little more talk, we decided that we'd have two kids. 
And if we like two, we'd have three. If we like three, we'd have four. If we like four, we'd have five, and etc., etc. So we stopped at three. We thought that was enough. Five years later, to our utter surprise, um, I got a man cub. And now Andrew, if you understand the Greek, means um, you the man. So when you've had seven sisters and three daughters and you finally um, get a man cub, I said, there'll be no mistake who you are. You, my son, are the man. His name is Andrew. But I'll tell you what he, what he teaches me. He teaches me, uh, I think, a saying we use called monkey see, monkey do. I want to read a little poem and we'll put it on the screen for you. It says this, a careful man I want to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot once escape his eye. Whate'er he sees me do, he'll try. Like me, he says, he's going to be the little chap who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me, he must not see the little chap who follows me. I must remember as I go, through summer's sun and winter's snow, I'm building for the years to be a little chap that follows me. I became acutely aware when this boy was born that I was his window to how he'd build his life. Just put up the next um, photo of me and Andy I was doing some work in the yard one time and he wouldn't leave me alone. So I, I was told by the management of the home, my wife Susie, that I must go down and buy him a barrow as well. And so, <laughs> it took a long time to move the dirt because every time I had to put a little bit in his and um, because he had to do what dad did. I'm gonna put another photo up in just a sec. But I got tired and went in for lunch. And it's only when I got inside the house and looked back out the window that I saw this next photo. <laughs> I just tossed my bar up against the fence, said I need a sandwich and a drink. And I got into the house and I looked back and I thought, wow, a little chap who follows me. Pastor John, I hope I don't offend anyone with what I'm going to say. It's a personal philosophy. I'm not trying to preach it to you. I've never seen a glass of alcohol in my son's hand. But he's never seen one in mine. I've never once told him, hey, don't drink alcohol, son. He's just never seen one in mine. I'm not preaching against it. I'm just telling you how my life's worked. Perhaps more importantly, about two years ago, he rang me. He said, Dad, that's how he talks, by the way. He's a laconic fellow. If it's, if it's Sunday today, he's just waking up Thursday. You know, he's, that's him. That's my son. He said, Dad. I said, yeah, mate. You know how you taught us to tithe on what we want to earn. Now, as a dad, you're, you're thinking, you listened? <laughs> I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, wow, he listened. Now, let me understand, unpack what he said. He said to me, dad, you know how you taught us to tithe on what we want to earn? 
She, for the last 35 to 40 years, my wife Susie and I, have, we do not tithe on what's called our income. It works like this. When I earned $30,000, Isaac, I just thought it'd be good to earn 40. So I thought I'll tithe on 40. When I earned 40, I thought, gee, it'd be good to earn 60. So I tithed on 60. When I earned 60, I thought, gee, it'd be great to earn 100. That's $2,000 a week. So that's $200 a week, bringing the tithe, 10th. That's what I've done for 35 years. I hope I don't lose my blessing to tell you that this week my wife and I, my wife and I tied the $1,050. Because for 35 years, on March the 1st every year, we've given ourselves a pay rise. See, I'm not waiting for the boss. It's my life of faith. And so we've just decided, see, what a farmer does, a farmer says, what harvest do I want? Okay, now I know how much seed to plant. Genesis 8, 22, while ever the earth remains, there'll be seed, then harvest. So 35 years ago, when I couldn't afford to live, I thought I need more money, so I started to plant more seed to get more harvest. Now, I've never once sat my, my son down and said, this is the way you're tied, son, in this family. But there is a little chap who follows me. And so now, at the age of 26, he's calling me up and say, hey, Dad, I earned... Um, uh, I earned $100,000 this year. What you taught us works. And I, I didn't even know he's been doing it. I said, how do you know? He said, I've just been to the accountant and done my tax thing for the year. And he added it all up. And he said, gee, you've earned over $100,000 this year. And I went back and said, wow, because I've been tithing 200. Now, my lesson's not the tithe and my lesson's definitely not about alcohol. My lesson is that there are eyes who watch us. Now let's close and talk about Father God. 2 Chronicles 16, 9, there is a father that watches. If sons are watching me, there's a father that watches me too. And it's the promise I feel God wants me to leave with every family here today. It says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all of the earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of people, if I can paraphrase it, whose hearts are toward him. So as you look to God, your story may be like mine. Look, the script is different, but maybe the principles are the same. There are things in the last generation that you've got to bring back into alignment. Please be aware that Heavenly Father is working with you. And as you lean on him and in him, he's going to bring it to pass. I've got one more story and I've asked permission to tell it. I want to pray for parents whose children are not walking with Jesus and then I'm going to hand back. And when I say I want to pray for parents, your children could be 50, but they're your kids. I remember a mum that uh, had a son and she believed that he'd be a preacher. And so she told him, you're going to be a preacher, but he went astray in his teens. And he'd come home at night. Um, we, we, in our country, we call it full as a tick, drunk as a skunk, and he'd open the door and, and stumble in and when he flicked the light on to his horror or surprise he saw that his mother was sitting in the lounge room waiting for him to come home and in his drunken state she just pointed at him and say you're going to be a preacher son and he would mock her saying yeah 
No, I don't know how to walk like that. I learned it from Pastor Anna. But, um, <laughs> yeah, mother, going to be a preacher. But she never let up. She said, you're going to be a preacher. And she called him by name. She said, you're going to be a preacher, John. And Thelma, every Saturday night, sat in the lounge, waited for John to turn on the light, staggering drunk, to announce her prophetic word about what he would be. He's now called Pastor John Morgan, and he pastors this great church. He's now called the father of the house. But I'll tell you, church, his mama and his dad, George, never gave up on what they believed God had put on their children. Now, I don't know what took, took your family off course, but I will tell you by the grace of God, he is working. He, is, he will set a sister in a coffee shop in a city of millions to have a divine appointment um, organised by Holy Spirit, and he's working on your behalf. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to pray for my new friends here today. I pray, Father, that you would watch over every single one of them. Lord, whatever may have come to the front of mind while I've been speaking, Lord, by way of challenge or discomfort, I pray, God, that you would work and move in people's lives and hearts. I'm asking this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son. I pray, Father, that for those that have not yet commenced a relationship with Jesus, that on a day like today, they would see a little window into heaven and see a kingdom of love and a kingdom of forgiveness. A kingdom that rolls away burdens and extinguishes shame. And they would make a decision in their heart today that I'm going to follow the God of heaven and make him my heavenly father. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.